Is there any other? Anything else that you'd like to have folks pray for in the church? Anything at all? Yes. Leonard? What's wrong with Leonard? Um, he has the um, potassium real high and hypertension. Okay. And he's already stopped twice. Okay. And, and that's Paige Kidney. Okay. Okay. So we'll pray for Leonard. He's in the hospital. Let's pray for his recovery. Somebody else tonight. You'd like to add somebody to the prayer list this evening? Anything at all? Of course, let's pray for our country, pray for our, the president and just uh, wisdom dealing with Ukraine and pray for all those uh, refugees that have left and fled. And You think about all of their their homes and their family, you know, sometimes uh, they've been separated from their husbands and just a tough time. And so uh, just pray for, for wisdom for the military leaders, protection for the president there of Ukraine. And uh, we're just uh, thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy and all that we get to um, enjoy every day. We're just blessed beyond measure. And so many people in, in around the world don't have what we have. And so let's be prayerful and thankful uh, for what God has done for us and all that God has provided for us. And that's one of the, the main reasons why we, we really believe in saluting the flag and pledging the flag and, and showing respect to the flag during the, um, uh, during the pledges and things. Um, because a lot of people have sacrificed for us to enjoy what we have. And, of course, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us so that we could have eternal life, have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we are just uh, anointed by God's grace, and, and he helps us through everything day by day. As we look at the prayer sheet, uh, just appreciate a prayer, prayers for me and my family at this time. Um, also pray for these that are sick, that are dealing with health issues. Continue to pray for Charlie Davis doing some better, but pray for him as he was recently in the hospital or in the emergency. It was good to see Margaret Hawk was able to make it to church last Sunday, at least to Sunday school, and so we're thankful for that. But pray for her and uh, the others that are listed here. And then pray for salvation of souls. These people here um, need, need the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray that they'll open their hearts and receive him. You know, Easter's coming up. This is a great opportunity to invite some people to church. Many people will go to church on Easter Sunday. So we'll pray that some of these will come that live in our area. And then you uh, be inviting folks that you know um, to be here with us also. And then those in the military that are listed here, pray for them, pray for safety for them. Um, and just God, we thankful, we're thankful for them serving uh, our country and really serving us. And again, we enjoy the freedoms that we have because others, others serve. 
And then pray for our church finances, uh, Christians being persecuted for their faith. Again, praying for Yolanda and her family at the home, home going of, of Don. And just, we pray for him. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he's also helped me with the, the changes that have gone in my being without God, being without the finances that I had before when he was still with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Lord just has been so good every day for something to just give me that hope. We lose a little bit of a hope when we're struggling. Mm-hmm. But you know, he has been so good to me. And he's taking care of me and he's everything. Amen. Yes. And he gives you grace when you need it. And he helps us through it. It's not not it's not easy, but God's grace. God's grace is always sufficient. And he'll help you. And he's helping Yolanda at this time. She said just helping her with the changes. Now, Don had Alzheimer's for seven years, but now he's gone home to be with the Lord. And, uh, and just the change financially. You know, you have Social Security probably and different yes, things. I'm not trying to get a hold of agencies. I was on hold for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I thought I had a heart attack. Yeah. Because I couldn't get Thank God for the headphone. You can just keep working. It doesn't you don't have to sit by the phone there? And yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stress, and, and life's normal stress has been has been uh, worse with COVID, and just uh, dealing with all the delays. And things that of services and and so we're just so thankful that uh, by God's grace you're you're faring and and God's and you feel the presence of the Lord with you every day. So that's so good, so good. So continue to pray for her, and uh, again pray for these listed here, and then our missionaries that uh, are listed on the back here. Um, the ministries and missionaries, the reach of the church is far greater than any of us know. And so what do we do? We can pray. We can pray. And, um, and so we just look forward to uh, seeing what God is going to do in their lives, in our lives, and in through their lives also. Yes. Good, yeah, she is safe. So, I, so we're thankful for that. Continue to pray for her and others of our missionaries that, you know, may be in that region and also just around the world. I mean, it's unsettling when something like this is going on in Ukraine. Other countries may be thinking the same thing, and uh, persecution of believers and Christians uh, could become greater. And so, 
um, be much in prayer. All right? So thank you for being here tonight. It's great to see all of you, and I trust that God will bless you. Great to see Ashley here tonight. And uh, was able to visit uh, with Joanna and the family and, and pray for safety as she travels back the end of this week back to West Virginia. I know it's Virginia. I just said that on purpose. And, uh, but just thankful for, for people that love the Lord, people that serve God. And long, she was in our youth group there in Houghton Lake, part of the youth group. And uh, whenever you see some of your teens go on and live for God long term, go to church, love the Lord, serve him, it's just a blessing to see them. And uh, I'm just so thankful for her and her family and thankful for our young people. Many of our young people have gone on to, to continue to go to church and just live for God. It's not easy today. Pray for our young people. The, the temptations, the, the distractions um, are, are, are many. And so we just kind of keep, keep pointing them, keep directing them. Parents, just keep coming to church, keep doing it. And, uh, and just lead your children. Just keep leading. And uh, we're just thankful. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we have uh, Brother Mike come with our message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us tonight, Lord. We know that these needs listed on this prayer bulletin are far greater than anything that we can accomplish ourselves. We can't save people. We just tell them about Jesus. We can't heal people, but we can pray that you would heal them and that the medication that they, that's provided and the miracle of medicine could help them re- recover and they have cancer to go into remission and extend their lives and, and heart disease and the different things that people face. And Lord, we look to you and we love you and we thank you that you're always with us. We thank you that you comfort and you strengthen us in our times of great need. We pray for Yolanda here tonight. Thank you for her testimony tonight. And God, what you're doing in her life. And Lord, we just rejoice in that. And so, Father, we pray that you'll bless now our country, be with our president, that he'd have wisdom, and be with all of the people in Ukraine, the president of Ukraine, and the leadership there, and just give protection. And Lord, these people are going to be open to the gospel, and I've heard of so many that are going to Poland and different surrounding areas, taking the gospel, and where they can, they can during this window of need, can present Jesus to people that need Him, and their hearts are tender, and their hearts are open, and so we just look, uh, we look to you and pray for safety for those that have gone, and for provision for the for the needs of all of those refugees. God, we thank you for our church. We thank you for the people of our church, so many that just serve you faithfully, and all the ministries and our missionaries carrying the message of the gospel around the world. And so we just thank you for that. We ask you now, God, to bless this evening um, and uh, be with Brother Mike as he brings the message. Open our hearts and... Uh, by God's grace, may we grow in, the, in our faith and knowledge of the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless. We'll have a video at this time.
Well, are all aware of what's happening over in the Ukraine right now. Uh, they're under attack from Russia. And people have asked the question, is there any significance to all of this prophetically? Let me pull the camera back and say this. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe Christ could come back at any moment. There are signs of the times the Bible tells us to be looking for. And in fact, Jesus likened it to labor pains in a woman who's ready to give birth. The idea being the closer they get together, the closer you are to the birth. And as we see more signs, more things happening, they're reminding us Christ is coming back again. Let's go to Matthew 24. What did Jesus say? In the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. So this is war on a scale we have not seen in a long time. Uh, but let me look at another thing in Matthew 24. It talks about plagues being about us, around us in the last days. If the coronavirus is not a plague, I don't know what it is, a global plague. Also, I would add that the Bible warns of a world leader that will come and, and dominate and deceive people, ultimately, but ultimately reveal his true colors, and he's called the Antichrist. I believe a lot of this government overreach, imposing themselves on their people, uh, is a sign of what is going to come later when Antichrist emerges on the scene. But let's come to the situation in the Ukraine. So many Bible scholars believe in Ezekiel 38, as it speaks of Magog attacking Israel, that that is modern day Russia. I could go and talk about that for, you know, 30 minutes, why they believe that's true. I happen to agree with them. But it says in Ezekiel that the Jewish people will be scattered and regathered in our land again. We know uh, during World War II, after the Holocaust, Jewish people from around the planet began to return to their land. And Israel officially became a nation on May 14, 1948. So that part of the prophecy has been fulfilled. But then scripture says a nation from the extreme north of Israel will march on her called Gog and Magog. If you look on any map, you'll see that is the geographical area of Russia. Ukraine used to be a part of the Russian Empire. They broke off in 1991. Are they going to be part of Russia again? Could be. But the one thing that I think of is when I see the aggression of Russia, or Magog, if you will, it's a reminder that that's what we're going to see when Magog attacks Israel. So Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, freak out because you're dead. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing near. Here's the bottom line and take away truth. Bible prophecies are being fulfilled in our lifetime. It seems like we're seeing more things happen in real time closer together as the scripture said they would be. So what should we do? We should look up and we should remember that God is in control. And we've read the last page of the Bible the last page of Revelation, and we win in the end. Let me add this. Let's all be praying for the people of the Ukraine. They're going through a time of great suffering right now. Pray for them. Pray that God gives to our leaders wisdom uh, as they're making very important decisions in the days ahead. And again, just a video, I, I hope just to see, these things we're studying, again, we're seeing these things play out. 
we're seeing in a scale never seen before, we're seeing these events. And so that was a video I had seen earlier this week that I hope maybe helps us put that in perspective. And as Pastor mentioned during the prayer time, let's be praying for that going on. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing to think about what people there are going through. And remember, many of those are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, who one day we'll spend eternity together with. Let's lift them up in prayer right now and be praying for, for that country as everything's going on there. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter number 8. Revelation chapter number 8. And as you are turning there, if you have your notes with you, you can grab those. Half of you have notes with mistakes on them, all right? And I blame my proofreader, and they, it's me. So there's nothing to do there. I, I made a mistake there. Uh, copied and pasted it, and it changed the numbers on there. So I apologize. But uh, half of you, you're good. But the other half, maybe it's a little bit off. But I just, just letting you know... I, I want to let you know that because those of you that have ever been a teacher before, what happens when you make a mistake on a paper? The hands go up all over the room, right? And they want to make sure that you know that you made a mistake. So before you guys tell me I made a mistake, I just wanted to get it out in the open and let you know. But uh, Revelation chapter number 8, and just a quick reminder of where we've been. I really enjoyed last week having with us Pastor Murphy and him just giving us a, another brief overview of the book of Revelation. Very helpful uh, last Wednesday night. If you missed that, encourage you to go online and, and, and listen to that. Again, just going through this book and trying to understand this a little bit better. Remember Revelation chapter number one, we got to see Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the idea there, he gave the outline of the book when he said, write the things that you have seen and which will happen. Two and three, chapters two and three, that's where we saw the letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And we saw that letter to Ephesus, to Laodicea. And we saw the things that we can learn from that church today. Chapter four, we saw the praise of God the Father that is going on in heaven. Chapter five, the praise of God the Son. And then chapter 6, we saw the seven sealed judgments. The seven sealed judgments. There is the Antichrist, the war, famine, death. A fourth of the part of the earth dies. Prayers of the martyred saints. Earthquakes happen and mountains are out of place. And then in chapter 7, there was a parenthesis where it focused in on what is going on on earth here during that time, during that great tribulation. And again, in chapter 7, we see an incredible revival happening. 144,000 Jewish men are going out and preaching the gospel, and Jewish people are getting saved all over. We see a number that the Bible says you can't count of people that have been saved during that tribulation period. And so that brings us up to chapter 8. And as we get started in chapter 8 today, we're going to look at something that the Jewish reader of this in the first century would have recognized exactly what was being talked about. But for us, in the 21st century, it's not as clear. It, it, it's like different parts of the country say things differently. Growing up, we, a sweeper, we were going to sweep the floors. What did that mean? You were going to vacuum the floors. All right, that, That's what it meant. You would say sweep and vacuum interchangeably. Out here, you don't do that. right? You don't do that. It's, you're going to vacuum the floor. Supper. How many of you refer to that meal you eat at the end of the day as supper? Anybody refer to that? A few. A few refer to it as supper. Most out here, we refer to it as dinner, right? We're going to eat dinner. And when you say, I remember my parents were here and they were talking to my kids and they say, what are we going to have for supper tonight? And they looked at them 
Like, what do you mean? You know, but that growing up, that's the word we used for that meal. And then the one that maybe is the most different is what do you call soda? Out here it's soda, right? Pop is another name. Anybody use pop? Okay, some of you use pop. The other name, and this is the one that I used growing up, which seems very, I'll admit, very, very strange looking back. Do you want a Coke? You would ask, do you want a Coke? Now, when we hear that, what do we think about? Coca-Cola. That's not what it meant. That meant, do you want soda? So then you, yeah, I want a Coke. Well, which kind do you want? I've got Mountain Dew. I've got Pepsi. Like that, that's what you would do. That's how, I don't know why. That's sort of the, the terminology we would use. Whereas when we hear it, we're like, okay, yeah, Coca-Cola. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, there's something that we understood exactly what was being said. But maybe other people wouldn't. And that's what we're going to see in Revelation chapter number 8. Something that the Jewish people would have really understood that if we don't take the time to study it, we may not understand how amazing it is what's being said here. And so let's start in verse number 1, and we're going to see silence in verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. When he had opened this seal. Who is the he that is being referred to here in chapter 8? We go back to chapter 6 and you know who we see? The lamb that was worthy to open that. This is Jesus Christ right here. And he opens this seventh seal and when it is open, the final seal, it's quiet. Up until this point, we've heard a lot of noise going on in heaven. You go back to chapter 6 and, and just look up maybe on the same page or turn back and chapter 6 verse number 9 talks about and when he had opened the fifth seal or I'm sorry chapter yeah chapter 6 verse 9 and when he had opened the fifth seal I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held and they cried with a loud voice saying how long O Lord holy and true dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth and white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. We see noise going on. We're going to see angels that are going to be worshiping God. It's going to be a time of a lot of noise in heaven except for right now, when there's silence. Why is there silence right now in heaven? For it mentions a space of a half an hour. I believe this is a dramatic pause. As six seals have been opened, but this seventh seal will open, which will begin the seven trumpet judgments, which we are going to see a terrible time on this earth. We look at those six seals that we've already looked at, and I can't imagine going through those things. But what we're about to see is unbelievable. We see in Psalm chapter 76, verse 8, it says, Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Zephaniah 1.7 says, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Zechariah 2.13 says, Be silent, all flesh before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. John MacArthur said this about this verse, The hour of God's final judgment has come. The hour when the saints will be vindicated, sin will be punished, Satan vanquished, and Christ exalted. The greatest event since the fall is about to take place, 
in all of heaven is seen waiting in suspenseful expectancy. There's silence in heaven. And what happens next? The second point we look at today is the prayers that are going on. Verse 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We're going to see again, numbers in the Bible do mean something. Seven being the number of completion here. And we see seven angels, seven trumpets. Trumpets, one of the most significant musical instruments we see in the Bible. Mentioned quite a bit. We know that trumpets will blow at the rapture of the church. That that last trump. The trumpets are there. And what is going on in verse 3? And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This is the part that when we read it, we're like, what is going on here? Why is this the picture that's being used to represent what's going on in heaven right now? But again, someone in the first century, growing up in Israel, would have known exactly what was being talked about when it was talking about incense, talking about an altar. They would have known what this represented. You see, in the tabernacle and later in the temple, there was a piece of furniture which was called the altar of incense. This was not a large piece of furniture. It's only about maybe 36 inches high, 18 inches square. It's made of wood and covered with pure gold. It had horns at each of the corner. And this right here was the last piece of furniture you would see before someone would go into the Holy of Holies. Here's what this would happen. This is, the priest would enter the holy place. They would take a censer full of burning coals from the brazen altar. One hand would have that, and in the other hand, they would have specially prepared incense. They would then take this incense and sprinkle it over the burning coals, which would cause a cloud of smoke to fill the tabernacle, to fill the temple. And this was symbolic of Israel's prayers going to God. This is what it was representing. In Solomon's temple, uh, Solomon and Herod's temple, the same thing, the last piece of furniture before you would go into the Holy of Holies was the altar of incense. The closest that any priest got in the daily service of God was this altar right here. The altar of incense, which represents prayers. So go back to verse number 3 and let's read it again with that idea of this is what the priest would do. And in verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. What is this talking about? This is exactly what the priest would do. They would have that incense. They would have the, the altar, or the the Uh, scepter there, not scepter, I'm sorry, censer, and they would put that onto the altar. Verse 4, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. I love that verse. You know what that verse is saying? 
the prayers of God's people went straight to God. He was there. And, and the prayers were being given, and God was there, and they were going straight to Him. What an amazing truth. That, and you say, well, what prayers are we talking about right here? And if you go back with me to chapter number 6, and we read a few of these verses just a moment ago, verse number 9, remember this right here is one of the seals that was opened, the fifth seal, which was representative of those martyrs during the tribulation period. And what is it that they were praying? Look at verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They're asking God, God, well, when will you take care of this? You see, the Bible is very clear that vengeance is God's. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place in wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That goes against society today, doesn't it? Society today is, if somebody pushes me, I push them back. That's not what God says. So these people have been martyred for their faith, and they're saying, God, you are the one that's going to take care of this. God, when will you take care of this? And here's what we're going to find in Revelation chapter 8. God's saying, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I, I, God is holy. God is just. God will not let sin go unpunished. And he is going to punish sin. And that's what these seven trumpet judgments are going to be all about. God is punishing the sins because of the prayers of those saints that have been killed for their faith, those martyrs. And that's what we're going to see here in Revelation chapter number 8. Third, the trumpets. The trumpets. And we see that starting in verse number 6. And this, or go back to verse 5. I want to say one more thing about that. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. What happens right here? This, the prayers would go up. And here's what to me is symbolic about this. It's being cast back down. Saying, okay, I've heard your prayers. Here are my answers to your prayers. It mentions thunderings and lightnings and a great earthquake that is going to go on on the earth at that time. And that leads to verse number 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Verse 7, the first angel sounded. And there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And there were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. You see, the trumpets begin, and the first trumpet that we are going to see is the judgment of the earth. The judgment of the earth. Now, we read these verses, but it is so important for us to realize this is something that is really going to happen. It mentions here hail and fire mingled with fire coming down. Now, again, do we know exactly what this is referring to? I don't. That, that scientifically speaking, what could it be referring to? There's an earthquake in verse number 5. Maybe from that earthquake, volcanoes will begin to erupt. With those volcanoes and lava going into the air, it could trigger violent thunderstorms, which again, remember, in verse number 5, it talks about thundering and lightning, which produce hail. Maybe that is. I don't know. I just know what's going to happen because of it. 
Sometimes in Revelation, we can get hung up on what exactly is being said. And sometimes we just got to realize we're not going to know for sure. And here's the great thing about those of us that have trusted Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'm not going to be here to find out for sure what it is. I don't need to know that for sure. I don't need to. I just know what's going to happen because of it. Look at what it mentions right here. It says, the third part of the trees were burned up. All the green grass was burned up. Can you imagine what that would do? Think about our society today that is very consumed with protecting the environment. Global warming, endangered species, save the whales, and, and no doubt man has many times failed in their responsibility to take care of this earth. But what we're going to see happen in these seven trumpet judgments is God is going to pour out these judgments showing He is the King of this earth. And one thing you're going to see is these, these judgments will be similar, some of them, to judgments that happened in the book of Exodus with the ten plagues that happened. And when we read the book of Exodus and we think of those ten plagues, they were literal plagues that happened. Just like what it said, it was something literally that happened. So again, when we come to the book of Revelation, we're taking a literal approach to this book. What the Bible says is going to happen, unless it says it is a symbol, we're just going to assume that's exactly what's going to happen. And so this is going to have this plague will happen and a third of the trees and all of the grass is gone. We in California have surveyed the scene of a forest fire and seen all the grass gone. We've seen the destruction that it causes. Imagine a third of the world being covered with that. All of the grass right here being gone. Think about not only the grass and the trees, just as a forest fire here happens, many homes will be destroyed. Many people will become homeless in that. Think about the crops and everything that man is dependent on. Man has already gone through a time of famine. This will only make it much worse. As so much of what people depend on for their food will be wiped out as the animals will have nothing to eat. What a terrible thing this will happen, this first trumpet judgment, the judgment of the earth. And leads us to verse number 8 where we see the second trumpet. And the second angel sounded, and as, and as it were a great mountain, burning with fire, was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. The second judgment is the trumpet, is the judgment on the seas. People have just seen an incredible fire break out. People are running maybe to the seas. And it mentions right here, it talks about a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Again, we can speculate on what exactly that is. It could be a meteoroid, asteroid, could be, we, we don't know. We just know something is going to hit one of the, ocean, the, the oceans. And because of what happens right there, we are going to see in a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were be destroyed. I don't know, anyone ever gone snorkeling in here? Just a few people. Anyone never want to go snorkeling because you're like, sharks are out there, I'm just going to leave them be, that way I don't you know, tempt them or anything. I, I think snorkeling would be sort of fun, I've, I've never done it before. But you go down and, and you see these, how many fish are in the ocean? There's so many. A third of them are dead. 
A third of them are wiped out. Of all the oceans, a third of the fish are gone. Again, it mentions that it will be turned to blood, which is similar to a plague, the very first plague that we see happen in Egypt, a literal thing that happened. Now, does this, is this a supernatural turning to blood? Is this turning to blood because of all of the, the fish that it, I, I don't know. But somehow, a third part of the oceans will be blood. A third of the ships will be destroyed. Think of, again, the economy, people that are dependent on food. And we're, I mean, we're all dependent on food, but think of those, those sort of communities that fish is one of their main ways of getting food. It's gone. The judgment is continuing here. The third trumpet, verse number 10. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. This third trumpet is a judgment on fresh water. This burning star comes down. It gives it a name, Wormwood. It falls to the earth. In the Bible, we see the only time in the New Testament this word is mentioned is right here. In the Old Testament, it is mentioned eight times. Three of those times, it refers to poisoned water. So the sea has been affected. Now the lakes, the rivers, a third of them have turned to where you can no longer drink them. Again, imagine the the devastation that would cause. The first two trumpet judgments, we do not see mentioned a loss of life. Now, I'm going to assume there would be a loss of life here. The fires coming down, all of that. I'm going to assume that second trumpet judgment as something hits the water, maybe tsunamis, different things. I'm going to assume there's going to be some loss of life, but there is no mention of it. When you come to the third one, we're going to see a mention of great loss of life happening right now. Again, why? I, I, I believe more are going to die from this third one than the other two. Think about it. You, you can't go very long without water. And if the water systems have been taken out, there will be nothing for people to drink. Many of them probably won't know as they go and drink water that has been poisoned. The fourth trumpet judgment we see is in verse number 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise. The fourth trumpet, this is a judgment on the heavens. We will see something that has never really happened on a global scale before. As the sun will be affected. Remember, we go back to the ninth plague in Egypt and we saw that the sun was darkened. And many times, I don't know about you, I just thought about that plague as being like sort of an inconvenience. Like, oh man, I can't see very well. But think about a third of the, the sun not shining for a third as long, not, not being a third as bright. Think about what we're dependent on the sun for. Heat. Think about it, that's not there. Some of us, we complain about heat here when it's 50 degrees. As in, how can we ever live in 50-degree weather, right? Imagine places where the, the sun's not going to shine. There won't be that heat. This is going to be, again, just a, the temperature will plummet. 
Think again, we've talked about these fires that have gone through. Probably many people will be without houses, be trying to survive all of this. And that's why when you come to verse number 13, it says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. This angel flies by and is saying, look at what is happening. The destruction that is being caused. So here's what I want to look at tonight. What does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? You see, God is making his omnipotence known right here. That he is all powerful. Isn't that what he did with the ten plagues in Egypt? He showed Pharaoh, I am God. Again, remember those ten plagues in Egypt went against the ten, ten of the gods that the Egyptians served. And he was proving to them, I am the real God. And so as we see these trumpet judgments, he is proving to them who he is. But here's the question, what does it mean to me? I think sometimes we can go through the book of Revelation and we can just feel like this is, we, we read these things and we're like, oh, how terrible will that be? That, that you know, God's going to judge and, and all these things. But I believe in chapter 8, there is a big principle for us to understand. And it goes back up to verse number 3. And another angel came and stood to the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. You see, what I believe the big takeaway we can have from chapter number 8 is what is prayer? What is prayer? You see, we have an example of people praying and that prayer going straight to God the Father. And then we see the Father's response as he carries out this judgment. What is prayer? I, I put a, a definition of prayer in your notes there. And a, a pastor by the name of Tony Evans said this, prayer is the God-given communication link between heaven and earth. It is the divinely authorized mean to access the kingdom of heaven and to get that kingdom to intervene in the affairs of our earthly life. This is my way to communicate with God. Now, we know that, but tonight, let's just be honest. The truth is prayer is hard work. It is. You think, for me, I'll just be honest, it's, it's a lot easier to teach somebody about prayer for an hour than to spend an hour in prayer. You know, we have meetings here, and it's, it's easier to draw a crowd for a special speaker or a certain sermon series than to just say, we're going to spend time in prayer tonight. Why is that? I believe one of the greatest things the devil wants to pre prevent in Christianity today is God's people praying. He wants to stop it because he knows how powerful it is. He knows what prayer can do. And I'm afraid we as Christians don't. We talk about it. We know the right answers to say when it comes to prayer. But we don't realize how powerful it really is. If I were to ask you, is prayer important in the Christian life? I believe each and every one of us would say, absolutely. 
It's one of those things that's so very, very important. Those of us that have grown up in church, we've known from being little, we need to pray. Maybe some of you sang that, that song, Read Your Bible, Pray Every Day. Anyone ever sang that song as a kid? You know, you get down on the ground and you'd, you'd go up and all of that. You know, you, you sing that little song. And so we've learned that prayer is important. Is prayer important in our life? Is prayer important in your life? And here's how you answer that question. How do your actions prove that? You know, it's much easier for us to say, yes, prayer is very important in my life. But does my life prove that? Is it really truly important? And I wanted to illustrate this today because I think there's different levels of prayer. And I don't know if you as a child took a lot of family vacations. Um, we would typically take one about every year, maybe every other year we'd take like a big family vacation. Growing up in Indiana, not a lot of things in Indiana to see, so you'd go out of state to, to different places to, to see those things. And I, one of the ones I remember going to is a place called Niagara Falls. Anyone ever been to Niagara Falls before? Beautiful, beautiful place. Beautiful place. And you go to Niagara Falls and you see this and you see what God created. And there's, there's many ways to witness and to be a part of Niagara Falls. Most of us have probably seen a picture maybe similar to this. or we've, Today we can go on YouTube right, and watch videos about Niagara Falls and we can see, get all this information. But for those of us that have been there, it's nothing like the video. You get there and you're in person and it changes. And I remember the first time that we sort of were driving on the road and we saw Niagara Falls and you see the water coming down and you see all the, you're just struck by how amazing it is. And then you go and there's, there's actually a park there where you can go and you can see these guys sort of standing around and looking at the falls and seeing that water going down. And I got to be honest, those, when I was there, those guys standing right there on the edge, that was not me. I'm at least five feet away from the edge, all right, for safety reasons. But I, I'm not getting too close to that edge. But you can see that. And then there is a, a boat you can get on. This boat is called the Maid of the Mist. You get on this boat, and to get on the boat, they are going to give you a poncho to get on the boat. Because you will end up soaking wet by the end of it. As they will take you close to the falls. Now, when I was on the boat, I was afraid they were going to get a little too close to the falls. But they'll take you very close to the falls. And you will get to experience it right there. And you hear, and you look up, and you see how far that water is coming down. And you feel the water, that mist that's coming on you, and you realize the power that it has. I believe in prayer, it's sort of like that. Some people with prayer, it's like the pictures and videos. You talk about it, you know about it, but you've never really experienced it. You've never really spent time in prayer with God. Others, maybe we've, we've sort of started, we've gotten to the road and we're looking at it, We've never really experienced and then, then, then some of us, we, we, we've tried. It's like we've gone to the park. We're there and we're looking. But there's a lot of things to distract you there. The visitor center. The guys trying to sell hot dogs. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I remember being at that park. This was one of the most terrifying events of my life. Okay, There was people selling random things. And one of them was selling a ring. And I don't know why, but I took the ring and I put it on my finger. 
I could not get it off. And I remember like pulling it, I don't know why, I'm probably like 10 years old, I'm thinking they're gonna have to like cut my finger off or something, like I am, I am yanking at this, trying to get this off, like I, I was terrified that somebody's coming in with like a saw and gonna have to try to cut this off of my hand, like that, I, I did get it off, all right, I was, I was very, but there's a lot of things to distract you. You're there, but you're very easily distracted. And then, there's those that they really experience what prayer is all about. You've been down. You've experienced the power. You felt it. That's what we need to have. Not just a relationship with prayer where it's something that we've talked about, someday we will do, maybe taking a trip, getting a little closer, but going all the way in. Really making prayer a priority of your life. You know why I believe in my own life I, I don't make prayer as great a priority? Is because I don't realize how powerful it really is. I don't realize how powerful it really is. I, I, I have a cell phone. Not with me, evidently. Hopefully it's down there. I've got a cell phone. And I've got to be honest with you. I don't understand everything it can do. It can do a lot that I probably have no idea about. I... I know how to text, I know how to call, I know how to do a few other things, but I don't know how to completely utilize it. I think in prayer, we don't fully understand the power that's there. Reminds me of a lady that she had lived very far out in the country and finally the electric company had taken the power out there and had connected her house to the power. She had been connected for a while and someone in the company looked at it and saw that she was using very little electricity in the house. And so they wanted to know what was going on to make sure everything was working. They, they had worked hard to get it out there and they just wanted to make sure. So they actually sent somebody to the house to make sure that the power was getting there. And when they visited the house, the lady was there and they began to talk to her, ma'am, are, are you using your electricity here? that we've run to your property. She's like, oh, yes, using it every day. It's been very, very helpful. And they're like, well, how, how is she using it every day? And we're not getting that reading on it. So they, they asked her, well, how do you use your new power? What, what do you do with it? She says, very simple. As soon as it starts getting dark, I turn on the lights long enough to light my kerosene lamps. And then I turn the lights off again. I feel like that's what we do with prayer. We don't understand how powerful it is. And we go to prayer for like those few brief moments where we feel like we really need it. Somebody's sick and I really need God to step in, so now I'm going to pray. So we, we, we turn on the news and we see the, the things going on in different countries. We're like, we need to pray for this. And we don't realize that prayer has the power every single day we can go to God for that. We don't pray because we don't understand how powerful it is. James 5.16 says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 1 John 5.14-15 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Do we know that? That God can answer any prayer. There is nothing too hard for him. Now I know, I know, 
Every single one of us have prayed for things in this room that has not happened. We've prayed for somebody's health and it's not happened. We've prayed for this opportunity and it didn't work out the way we planned. And sometimes in those moments we begin to question, why do we even pray? You ever question that? I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. Why do we pray? I don't pretend to understand the sovereignty of God. But I know he's asked me to pray about things. And I know that he hears my prayers. And I know that he wants me to pray about those things. And that's what I need to do. Because that is the power of God. Too many of us treat prayer like the national anthem before a game. It doesn't really affect everything. We've all been to a baseball, basketball, football game, and everyone will stand up, and you have that, I don't know how long it takes to sing the song, maybe two minutes of the national anthem, and then as soon as it's done, you get back to what you were really there for. And if not careful, that's how we treat prayer. Let's pray for dinner time. And we say the same words we always say. We're done, and then the main event is there, right? Whatever we're about to eat. Bed. I think it's a great idea to, to pray with your kids, with your family before bed, and we go in there and we pray with our kids, and it's done. All we look at it is somewhat of a symbol. I mean, isn't that what the national anthem before a game is? It's a symbol of our country, and we do that before the game to, to, to just briefly maybe remind us of that. But that's not what prayer is because of the power that prayer has. I want to challenge us today from Revelation chapter number 8. Is prayer important in your life? Is prayer important in my life? Because I think we'd all agree that it, in the Christian life it should be. But then the question is, how do you live your life that reflects that prayer is important to you? Because it's easy to say, yeah, prayer is important to me. But again, let's just be honest. Sometimes it's, it's hard to spend some time in prayer. We get distracted. We've got too much going on, we say. And I, I put in your notes just maybe some, it's called keys to prayer. Just some practical steps. It mentions preparation. Ask God to quiet your heart and mind before praying. What a novel idea, right? God, would you help me as I'm doing this? Sincerity. Don't worry about using fancy words. You ever as a kid think you had to use those fancy words? You ever have somebody in your church get up and they use like the these and the thous and the, the, the long words and the, you know, like they're, they're doing all these and you're like, oh man, I don't, I don't even know what he's saying. I can't pray. It's not what it's about. Location. If possible, find a quiet, suitable place to spend time in prayer. Why? So you're not distracted. Quality. The quality of your praying is more important than a quantity in length. What does it mean by that? Sometimes we're like, if I've got to pray for two hours a day, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we've got to realize this is, let's use our time wisely in prayer, not just getting distracted. Let's really focus in on it. And that's the last one, focus. Keep your mind from wandering and try to ignore distractions. I don't know about you. I, there's many, many times I've been praying for somebody. And then I find myself five minutes later 
I was thinking about something I did with that person 10 years ago. I, I was no longer praying. I'll tell you something that helps me with my focus. I pray out loud. It helps me. Because if I'm praying in my, my head, you know, again, I, I get distracted. You may be better than me at that, but I, I just do. I just got to be honest. I, I get distracted easily. So, so when I'm praying out loud, I, I'm challenging myself to, to not get as distracted. Have a prayer list. Who are you praying for? Who is it that you pray for every day? You know, we, we give out these prayer lists on Wednesday. And these are a great tool. Take this back here and you see all of our missionaries. You see, do we take time to pray over these? My challenge, and I believe the challenge of Revelation chapter 8 is, let's make prayer an important part of our life. Can I tell you what the devil will fear most? I can't wait till the day that this church is completely full on a Wednesday night. Until we're, go we're going back to two services on a Sunday morning. Why? Because we just need more space. I'm looking forward to that. I, I believe God can do that. But can I say this? I, I, I don't think that's what the devil fears most. I think he's terrified if the people in this room just got serious about praying. Just got serious about asking God for his help. Just got serious about asking God to change this community, to impact this community. Why would he be so frightened of that? Because he realizes how much power there is in prayer. He realizes it more than we do. Let's make prayer an important part of our lives. You go back to Revelation chapter 6. You see these martyred saints praying to God, God, how long until you take care of this problem? And in Revelation chapter 8, we see the altar of incense illustrating it for us, that those prayers were going right up to God the Father. And notice, he didn't act exactly when they wanted him to act, but he acted in his time. And he did pour out the judgment. And these are just the first four. Next week in Revelation chapter 9, we're going to look at the last three trumpet judgments. But let's just be a church. Let's individually be a person that makes prayer a priority in our life. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to really fully grasp what prayer is all about and the, the incredible privilege we have of coming to you anytime we want. And God, I pray that the mark of this church will be a church that loves their community and a church that prays and seeks your face. God, would you help us? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I just wanted to uh, make just a few announcements right before you go. Ladies, uh, don't forget that this Saturday at noon, right back in the Fellowship Hall, will be the Prayer Pal Luncheon. If you have not signed up, please do sign up. Again, a great ministry to be a part of. Uh, you've got this Sunday night, uh, the Young Couples class. We are going to have an activity over at Giovanni and Jasmine's house. I've got some um, paperwork on that. And if you're going to go, please do uh, let me or Giovanni know. That way we can plan on that. And then uh, next Saturday, we've got the Senior Saints. A lot going on. And just be in prayer for those events. And we look forward to next Sunday morning being right here in God's house, 934, our growth groups, 1030 for our morning worship service. You guys have a great rest of your night.